Um, this is going back to the to the uh, beach bash, so I want to put in a plug. One of the things that my kids said when we were kind of working about dates to come here was we we want to stay for the Fourth of July because we can go to the beach bash because we've done the beach bash so long here that all my kids grew up thinking that's what everyone does on the 4th of July is go to the beach. So they're excited to be at the beach again this 4th of July. Anyway, thanks, Pastor Rick. Um, it is an honor and a blessing to be able to be here with you all this morning. And, you know, in the book of Acts, we have this account that is, I keep, maybe this thing hits my chin or something, that uh, we find the church in Antioch, by the leading of the Holy Spirit, they gather together and they commend some missionaries for the work of ministry. And then after those missionaries have been gone for a long time, they get to come back and they share and the church gathers together and hears of the different things that God allowed them to be a part of. And so this morning... I hope, my desire is that you are encouraged by hearing some of the things that we've been able to be a part of and do while we've been away. And um, it's been a, a blessing and an honor to be able to be here and kind of fill in while Pastor Rick has been away. So thank you, Pastor Rick, for that opportunity. And thank you all for welcoming us and our family. We've been here. But I would like to share with you um, about the Free Burma Rangers. And I want to start by playing a video. And it is a, a little graphic in nature. It's just, um, it's just the ministry that we're involved in. And in the video, um, the first part of the video has to do with a region within Myanmar or Burma. Uh, and the map above shows... The different colored regions in Burma are like different states, kind of like states in the U.S. And one of those regions is a place called Kareni. And the last year or so, our headquarters teams have been going to Kareni and Southern Shan State, Northern Kareni, the, along the border. And in that region, uh, there's been a lot of fighting that has been taking place. And... The video shows current conflict from that region. Um, just on this last mission, part of the headquarters team just came out of that area yesterday. And part of it is still there. So you can pray for them. But they reported on 26 villagers that were rounded up and executed um, in... Uh, one of the villages there. And on that mission, uh, we also had six of our rangers wounded. And the video, again, it shows footage from that area. It also is paired with footage, um, FBR footage that was used in the BBC news broadcast. Um, and it shows footage from about 10 years ago that explains what our rangers, the training that the rangers go through, and then why we do what we do. And so that's the, the, the video. 
and all of it is FBR footage, even the footage that has the BBC watermark and commentary. Um, but it hopefully gives you a little bit of an idea of what's taking place there. And so please um, enjoy the video. Myanmar military jet circles a primary school. After seizing power in a coup, they're trying to crush an uprising, demanding democracy. When they think it's safe, they run. But the plane circles back. Across Myanmar, the military is carrying out airstrikes. On the ground, they're struggling to crush the resistance. Airstrikes are now a daily occurrence for the people of Myanmar. Monasteries, hospitals, churches and schools have been hit. Seven of his friends were killed. Soldiers took their bodies away and burnt them. The deadliest attack in April killed more than 170 people. 
mele tagile bakaya didakya didaku wadini tepuni petepatan demi ba ni da di kublo-kublo ni mazak sendaki ni petiti sudah ngawa ba di da pepupuwe taloko pude petile cidukola ko mereka ko For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. Not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Jesus, you saved me. I want to be with you helping others. And that's what the Freedom Rangers is about. Jemai Ranger degalo. Jemu ida mewe. Di to kama pu plato pale abata soti mana order pa. Usah telu pahau kupu atu tila kapa go. Tato talu go. Dota ma baloki talu kopi abu agoni lo. You can have any religion or no religion. Be from any ethnic group, man or woman, young or old, and join FBR. The main standard is. Be able to read and write, I love your people, don't run if people can't run, don't give up. And you can be a ranger. And then here in the training, we push them. Mentally, physically, emotionally, we push them past what many think they can do. Just to show that they've got a lot more ability than they think they have. The oppression that's here draws people to stand against it, out of love. That is the way I think God made the world to be. We're made in His image. We're made to love Him. We're made to love each other. We are made to stand for justice. We're made to stand for freedom. We're made to be humble and work for reconciliation, knowing that none of us are perfect. be able to stop the Burma army, but we can stand with people in need. We can pray with them. We can give them medicine when they're sick. We can comfort them. We can train and build them up. These are things we can do. We can tell the world what's happening. We can acknowledge to them that we know what's happening, and we know God doesn't like it. Love compels us to go. FBR is a, kind of a unique humanitarian aid organization with a mission that is to provide help, hope, and love uh, to people who are in conflict areas. The Free Burma Rangers specifically serves in Burma, but they've also served in Sudan, Kurdistan, Iraq, Syria, Afghanistan, and in Tajikistan 
Uh, but the primary focus over the last 25 years has been Burma. Burma has been in the civil war for over 75 years now, and the conflict in that country has dramatically increased in the last two and a half years since the coup that took place February 1st, uh, 2021. And with that increase intensity of conflict, uh, the Free Burma Rangers have suffered um, many uh, casualties. Uh, specifically, we've lost 21 rangers um, since the coup took place, and we've had many, many more wounded, losing limbs uh, to landmines. Organizationally, the Free Burma Rangers is fully funded by donations from churches and individuals like yourselves who want to help. And our short-term and our long-term volunteers like my family uh, are also supported in the same way. It's not a job, but it's a, it's a volunteer ministry. The vision of the Free Burma Rangers is to free the oppressed and to stand for human dignity, justice, and reconciliation. And as a Christian, I understand that those things cannot be had without Jesus in the center of it all. We can only experience dignity, receive justice, and become reconciled with our enemies through the grace and the forgiveness that Jesus offers. And therefore, the gospel is essential to all that we do. You know, water, it only lasts a little while. Food, you can give and it's good, but then you'll need it again and again and again. Clothing and things like tarps, they will wear out and you'll need it again. <laughs> but Jesus and the grace and the forgiveness that he gives is forever. Now it is true that you do not need to be saved to be a ranger. But you do need to recognize that the principles behind what we do and why we do what we do are from the Bible and they're, they're principles from the Christian faith. And you have to be willing to abide by them. And through that methodology, we've seen many atheist and animist and Buddhist rangers come to the faith as they share about Jesus with others. And so, uh, what does our family specifically do? Well, before we kind of get into that, I want to actually invite the family up. So if you guys would come up here and I'm going to give you a microphone. And then I'm going to ask them to just introduce themselves to say something that they really enjoy about FBR and then some kind of fun fact about either Burma or Thailand. So, so I'm going to start. Okay. Hello, my name is Audrey. I'm 17 years old. One of my favorite parts about being able to work with FBR is practicing Thai with my friends as well as Karen. And then a fun fact about 
Thailand is that the language Thai is very tonal. They have five different tones, which makes it difficult to learn. My name is Rui. I'm 12 years old. A cool fact about Thailand is that there's a lot of tourists there. Yeah, and then um, my favorite part about FBR is making friends in the villages. My name is Katie. I'm 41, if you want to know. And um, my favorite thing about FBR, the most challenging thing, has been just all the hard things we've had to do, whether it's learning to wash your clothes in the river or go to the bathroom outside or sit with people that are going through a really hard time. It's been really hard, but I've seen God be so good through it, and it's made me change dreading hard to realizing like hard is good and let's see what God's going to do in that hard. Um, and then one interesting thing about Thailand I learned early on is that culturally it's okay just to walk into people's houses without knocking or saying, Hey, are you there? Um, yeah, I might've come down to my pajamas a couple times to find my landlady sitting in my r living room, but I've learned that. So you always have to have an open door policy and always be ready for company. <laughs> Hello, my name is Natalie. I am nine years old, and I really like Thailand because I make a lot of friends. And a really dirty fact about Thailand, it is really dirty there. <laughs> Hello, my name is LJ. I'm 16 years old, and one of my favorite things about FBR is all the trainings we get to be a part of and all the things we get to do and people we get to meet. And one Interesting fact about Korean culture is guys can walk around in essentially a skirt all day long and no one cares. <laughs> My name is Titus. I'm 13 years old. A fun fact about Thailand is it's rude to point the bottom of your foot at somebody. Um, favorite thing about FBR is probably going to the Eubanks Ranch and playing sports. Hello. My name is Josiah. I am 14 years old. And fun fact, in Thailand, you can be 15 years old and get a motorbike license to drive around the city. And my favorite thing in FBR, more like my favorite activity in FBR, is every year we have the annual um, ranger run. And everyone's in town for that, and it's just a really fun time where people share things that God has spoken to them, and we all exercise together. It's a lot of fun. Hello, my name is Faith, and I'm 10 years old. And one of my favorite things about FBR is that... I forgot it. <laughs> I'm sorry. Just do your fun fact. Sorry. My fun fact about Thailand is that there is a lot of dogs and they're not very nice. And my favorite thing about VR, I can't remember it. Oh, oh yeah. And helping people and meeting people. <laughs> Sorry. The, uh, the, the fun fact that Josiah shared, he's excited about because this year he gets one of those licenses. <laughs> So you can pray for all the people on the road. <laughs> and uh, the, the kids, they're all kind of dressed up and wearing traditional Karen clothing. Um, it's all unique because it's handmade and there's no two that are exactly alike. And often they're made on a, a homemade loom in the jungle. And so the guys and the girls will wear similar type shirts, but the patterns are different, as you can see. And then the girls wear the dresses and they love their long tassels and things.
Thanks, you guys. I want to um, just give you a little bit of history for our family and the call to come to FBR. I was first um, introduced to the Free Burma Rangers by another missionary who served here in Okinawa, and he actually shared just recently, his name is Derek Forbes. And when he um, told me about the Free Burma Rangers, I was immediately attracted to their work, and I followed them on social media. I followed their website and their newsletters and their updates and all their video posts online. And I prayed often. I prayed a lot that if there was a way in the will of the Lord that he would open up an opportunity for me to serve and to get involved. And in 2016, God opened that door. I was given an invitation to come to those annual March meetings and to be a guest and a visitor in 2017. And so I went with Audrey, uh, my oldest daughter, to Thailand. And when I met the founder of the Free Burma Rangers, Dave Eubank, right there, the first meeting, he invited me to go to Mosul with them. And that was crazy. So I changed my tickets and I came back to Okinawa. And less than a week later, I found myself in Mosul, um, and I was with the 36th Armored Division, 9th, um, 9th Armored Brigade, Iraqi Army, and we were there for the beginning of the last push against ISIS to liberate Mosul from ISIS control. I, we worked there uh, to provide medical care to Iraqi Army soldiers which is pretty crazy and unheard of that a NGO would do that for a country's army. And we also provided health and medical care and then humanitarian aid to the civilians who were trapped in the city and then trying to find a way out. In 2018, I went back to Thailand um, with my son, Titus, and I was able to visit the training camp uh, there for the Rangers. It's called Dawa Camp. And during that time, Dave Eubank, he asked me to come and to be the head chaplain at the, with, for the Free Burma Rangers, the head staff chaplain. And so in 2019, the church body here, all of you, sent us out to Thailand um, to serve in that capacity. When I went, I personally spent most of 2019 and the beginning of 2020 in Syria. And I was part of some very difficult Middle East missions. And then, as all of you know, the rest of 2020 um, brought COVID and restrictions and travel lockdowns and even travel restrictions within Thailand. And so when that happened, um, our family, uh, we shifted and we began to do more in the Thailand itself and then in the neighboring supporting the bordering country, um, 
the border villages um, along the uh, the border along between Thailand and Burma. Sorry, and uh, we served in those areas, uh, providing solar electricity with homes to communities and to churches, as well as clean drinking water and building and installing these types of systems. It's kind of a fun family affair. Um, We also are able to visit with patients and go to hostels and children's homes and orphanages and conduct what we call a GLC program. And GLC, it stands for Good Life Club. And the name kind of comes from John chapter 10, verse 10, where it says that abundant life is found in Jesus. A GLC program, it is like a one-day VBS. Uh, It has scripture-based skits. It has songs and dances and games and crafts and snacks and t-shirts are handed out to the kids and those who attend. And then it's also paired with a medical program that serves people that are in need. We've performed these GLC programs uh, in schools and churches, in playgrounds, and even in the jungle several times. It is kind of the primary vehicle by which we are able to share the gospel and Jesus, who is the source of joy and strength to those who have nothing and have lost everything and who are in great need. It also really provides an opportunity for them to escape their current reality and just laugh and experience love and joy. 2021, though, it brought um, about the latest coup that has taken place within Burma. And again, since February of that year, the intensity of the conflict in Burma has risen sharply. But it's also been a source of bright hope for those young men and women within the country. We've seen more unity than we've ever seen before with them. I personally, in 2021, spent five months within Burma, but my boys and my girls even came along for some of the trainings that we were able to be a part of. We conducted many ranger trainings and then public service training events. And during those training events, I was able to see firsthand just how powerfully the gospel can transform a life. Young men and women who are Buddhist or animist or atheist filled with hatred towards their enemies because of the loved ones that they've lost or their homes or the fact that they were pushed out of their their whole paradigm of going to school and trying to be a student. And now they're living in the jungle, kind of scraping to survive. And when they hear the fact that Jesus loves them and that Jesus loves their enemies, Oh, they kind of grates at them at first. They get get upset. But when they come to the realization that we are one blood and that we are one race and that every person has the capacity for evil in their hearts. And it's only by God's grace that we're not evil like those who perpetrate evil against us. Then we begin to see each other differently 
And we begin to be able to see our enemies as a fellow human being that needs the grace and the forgiveness of Jesus, just like we do. And so that's transformative. And it's exactly what the people in Burma need to hear um, if the violence is ever going to end. In 2022, um, I was asked to kind of focus more of my time and attention in Chiang Mai and the staff, long-term volunteers that are there. Organizationally, FBR, it's started to grow exponentially. Um, and during that time, I also kind of wanted to see the chaplain program developed more. I was asked to help out with the drone program, and I took over development of a new communications system and network for our teams in the field. And then at the turn of the year, between 2022 and, and this year, 2023, I was asked to become the chief of staff for the Free Burma Rangers. I was able to hand over the chaplaincy to a, another great brother in the Lord, and he's been doing a great job. And currently now I manage eight different department heads who collectively have 47 volunteers committed to serving uh, the Free Burma Rangers. We have operations, we have logistics, we have reporting, we have aviation, we have medical, we have communications and information technology. We have finance, we have the chaplaincy, and then we have office kind of as departments um, within FBR. And every week we have new visitors and guests who want to come by and see what it is that we're doing. For our family, kind of everyday life uh, during the week, it kind of looks pretty normal in Chiang Mai. Um, Katie and the kids and I, we get to be involved in workouts. Katie does homeschool. <laughs> There's no difference there. We, uh, we host visitors at our house. We entertain neighbor, neighbor kids. We volunteer at the office and pack loads and move supplies. We occasionally go on short trips to help people who are in need. And our kids will be involved in help, helping the short-term volunteers that come. Um, take their hike tests, so they proctor PT tests, basically, for them. Uh, Katie and I, we are involved in youth ministry, junior high ministry, with two different churches. And Katie also is able to help lead an FBR women's Bible study on Wednesday mornings. And then I will be able to help out with Thursday evening Bible studies uh, that often take place at our home. So, Ministry in Thailand is very busy, but it is rewarding. And it's not easy, but it is a blessing. And God is in it. And so we have been a part of so many amazing trips and had so many crazy experiences. I can't even begin to scratch the surface in telling you all about each one of them. But I, I want to share with you this morning a lesson that I have learned. And one of those lessons is serving the Lord is not without a price.
sorry. We, we've lost loved ones and friends. And as a family, we, we have to learn how to deal with that kind of suffering. And it's just a reality that is part of our lives. And, uh, and I hope that the lesson that I have learned is something that can resonate with you. No matter where you're at, no matter what situation um, you face in life. And I, I hope this is something that you can hold on to and take with you as you serve the Lord too. So before I jump into the scripture passage, I want to pray. And you guys can turn in your Bibles to John chapter 11. But I want to pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you. We thank you that you have called us to be a partner with you in the good work that you are doing all over the world. And we thank you that you take us who we are and where we're at and you use us. And as you use us for your glory and for your kingdom, you mold us and shape us through the experiences that you allow us to walk through in our lives. You shape us more and more into your image and you allow us then to come through on the other side of those experiences and then you use us to minister to others. And so Lord, we thank you for that partnership. We thank you for that grace. And we ask that you would help us that you'd help us to love each other more and that you'd help us to love you more and that we'd be willing, Lord, to, to let go of those weights that are holding us back and hindering us from our run with you and our service to you. And Lord, that you would help us to untangle ourselves from those snares, that sin which so easily ensnares us and trips us up in our walk with you. And we pray this in your name. Amen. Okay. In John chapter 12, or John chapter 11, excuse me, we have this account of a family. And the family is experiencing a very difficult trial, a sickness. And as they experience this difficulty, they turn to Jesus and they cry out to him for help. But as they cry out, it seems to them that he doesn't come, that he perhaps doesn't care and that he might be indifferent to this family's suffering and it hurts. But the whole event including their misunderstanding is for a greater purpose. It's for God's glory. And it's so that that family will grow in their knowledge and their understanding of who Jesus is and what he means to them in their lives. And it's also for the benefit and the salvation of others, those around watching this experience take place. And so that's, that's the summary of the passage that we're going to look at. And if you would, please 
Um, I want to read the first six verses of John chapter 11. It says, Now a certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. And it was that Mary who anointed the Lord with fragrant oil and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore, the sisters sent to him saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. And when Jesus heard that, he said, this sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the son of God may be glorified through it. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that he was sick, he stayed two more days in the place where he was. I want you to notice in verse three with me, it says that Lazarus is identified as he whom you love. That's all of us. Each one of us here this morning is the one whom God loves. In John chapter three, verse 16, just a couple chapters previously in the book of John, we read that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever would believe in him would not perish, but would have everlasting life. And so if you're a note taker this morning, um, the first kind of point that I want to draw out of this scripture for us is very simple. It's Jesus loves you. That is a, a simple truth but it is powerful and it is profound. And realizing that truth that Jesus loves you and holding fast to it, it will prove to be an anchor to your soul as you wrestle with sorrow and troubles in your life. Even if we don't know the Lord, and, and even if you're here this morning and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, know that he still loves you and that he still sent his son to die in your place so that you can have a relationship with him. As Paul wrote to the Romans in Romans chapter 10, verse 13, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's, that's as easy as it is to be saved. Simply call on Jesus. Place your faith and trust in him. Jesus loves you. We don't ever want to lose sight of that basic truth. We want to hold on to it and we don't want to let go for the sake of experiences that we don't understand. You see, in verse three, the sisters, they sent to him saying, right? In a sense, they're praying fervently for Jesus to come. Come save, come heal, come on and act on behalf of those whom you love. How many times have you been in that place before, right? And what do we do when it seems like God isn't responding? When it seems like God isn't moving or when he is indifferent seemingly to our cries? Look at verse six again. So when he heard that he was sick, he stayed two more days in the place where he was. Consider that whole scene from Martha and Mary's perspective. They knew where Jesus was and how long it would take for him to get to them because their message was not sent by 
text or telephone. They had to send a physical person to go and deliver it. And so when that person comes back and Jesus doesn't show up, I'm sure that they began to wonder. And I don't know about you, but I've been in that place many times. Some I vividly remember more than others. In 2017, I was in Iraq. It was the 4th of May, and the FBR was called to respond as a family was getting shot by ISIS. I found myself in a Humvee that was getting chewed to bits by ISIS gunfire. The small arms fire was so intense that our up-armored Humvee could no longer move. And the girl that we had inside of our vehicle was shot in the head. The bullet entered behind her ear and exited out her eyeball. Her father had been shot multiple times. Um, and it seemed like we could do nothing. We were stuck. And so we, all we could do was pray. And it seemed like time was going to be running out very quickly. And to make matters worse, two of our people, Muhammad and Shaheen, were shot. Muhammad six times in that rescue attempt. In 2019, we were in Syria when the Turks invaded northern Syria, intent on taking a 30-kilometer corridor. And on November 3rd, our FBR videographer, Zhao Seng, was shot. Or excuse me, he wasn't shot. He was injured by shrapnel. For two hours, we worked trying to bring him back. And with each passing moment, hope seemed to fade. In moments like that, what do we do? Moments like when your wife miscarries a child. Moments when your friend is in a tragic car accident. Moments when, like in our text, a family member is sick and it seems like they might die. What do we do? We cry out, Jesus, come save. But when he doesn't show, it hurts. And we suffer. If you look at the text, and for the sake of time, I'm not going to read it, but I want you to look at verses 17 through 37. If you read there in those verses, we find out that by the time Jesus does show up, Lazarus has already been dead for four days. That's what verse 17 tells us. It was too late. And notice the responses from Martha and Mary. It's verse 21 and it's verse 32. Their response to Jesus is the same. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. 
Essentially, they are saying, if you had not been too late, Jesus, if you could have just shown up a little bit earlier, if you would not have failed, God, my brother would still be alive. That's in a sense what they're saying. You know, often we don't get the outcome that we desire. And when that happens, we can conclude, oh, this is God's failure. This is God's fault. And we are tempted to blame him. Now that is the wrong conclusion. And we are wrong when we blame God. But why do we do it? Why do we blame God sometimes? Look at verse six. So when he heard that he was sick, he stayed two more days in the place where he was. We blame God sometimes because we know that God knows. Because we know that God hears. We know that our request is not beyond his reach, his ability. And we know that the things that we ask for are not too hard for God to do. So when we, what we hope for and expect doesn't happen, we sorrow, right? We get angry. We can get upset. We can weep. We mourn. We suffer pain, just like these women did. Because we don't understand what God is doing. And we don't realize this truth. In Acts chapter 14, verse 22, Paul, after a very difficult missionary trip, would say this to the churches. We must, through many tribulations, enter the kingdom of God. That's the Christian reality. Through many tribulations. Sometimes... When we don't understand these things, we can even begin to doubt, just as the people did in verse 37. They said, could not this man who opened the eyes of the blind also have kept this man from dying? You know, I remember my own prayers when I was in that Humvee in 2017. Lord, let the transmission engage. I know you can do it. Help this Humvee move, God. Please, we've got two injured people here, God. They're going to die if you don't do something, anything. You know, I prayed those prayers earnestly. But over time, I watched as their lives seemed to slowly fade away. And I began to wonder, God, don't you care? In 2019, excuse me, um, we were laughing and joking as we tried just to pass the time, waiting to respond to a, a call for someone that might be, might be injured. And that's when our own guys got hit. I heard the sound of the incoming. And then when I looked up, I saw their vehicle covered in a cloud of dust and debris. By the time I arrived to their vehicle, three of our guys were wounded 
and Zhao very seriously. We rushed them to the hospital as fast as we could, and we tried to resuscitate Zhao, but he was dead. And we prayed over and over, God, save him. God, bring him back. I know you can do it. God, please don't let him go. For two hours, we worked and prayed earnestly and frantically. We worked well beyond the time that all of us knew that he was never going to come back. And it's just like our text. When Martha and Mary said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. I didn't know or understand God's plan. And neither do these women. So what do we do in these kind of moments? This is what we do. If you're a note taker, point two, be real with God. Express your feelings honestly to him. Confess your weaknesses. Confess your doubts, your confusion, and your anger. Not Um, not without reverence, though. Notice how they come to him. Lord, don't, don't be blasphemous in your honesty, but be real and ask for clarity and understanding and ask God to show up and to be present. God will engage you. Notice the tenderness of the Lord. Verse 23, he says, your brother will rise again. In verse 25 and 26, he says to Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? I want you to take note of three things from that interaction. Number one, Jesus does come. He didn't leave them alone forever. He went to them and he met them where they were at. And Jesus will come for you and for me in our time of waiting, in our time of trouble. He will come. Our waiting is only temporary. Number two, Jesus gently addresses their hearts. In this case, he reminds them of the truth and he provides his promises. He nudges them in a way that will cause them to grow in their understanding of who he is and what he does for them. There's a similar event that happens with another disciple, a disciple named Thomas. It's recorded for us in John chapter 20, verses 27 and 28. In that event, Jesus would come to Thomas and he would say, hey, put your fingers here and put your hand here and don't be unbelieving, but be believing. And Thomas would declare my Lord and my God. Jesus is not afraid of honest examination. He's not afraid of being poked and prodded by those who are truly seeking. He allows these things so that he can change our hearts. Mary and Martha, they needed a change of heart. And to accomplish that change, Jesus needed to recenter them on the truth of who he is. He does this for Martha in verse 23. He reminds her of the greater spiritual truth that all who believe in Jesus will 
rise again. And he gives this practical promise that she will soon receive her brother. He will literally rise from physical death and she's going to see it with her own eyes. In verse 25 and 26, they're kind of especially for you and me today. True life is found in Jesus Christ alone. And when we believe in him, even though we may die here in the flesh, we will truly live. He grants us eternal life and forgiveness of sins. Therefore, we never truly die in terms of eternal separation from him, but we simply graduate from this life and enter the fullness of life, that eternal abundant life that is found in Christ. Do you believe this? It's true. And we need to root ourselves in that hope. So the third thing that we can take note of from this interaction with Jesus is this. Jesus does these things to strengthen our understanding of who he is and what he brings so that our relationship with him can grow. Notice Martha's declaration in verse 27. She said, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the son of God, who is to come into the world. Jesus, he moved her to confess the truth. And that was the beginning of that internal heart shift that must take place. When Jesus has this conversation with Mary, we get to see the reality of his heart towards us. In verse 33, if you look at it, it says that Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who were with her weeping and he groaned in the spirit and was troubled. In verse 35, we read that Jesus wept. You see, the truth is Jesus is not indifferent to our pain and sorrow. He knows our struggles. He experiences our pain. The writer of Hebrews would even tell us that we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses. He does in every way. He feels it more deeply than all of us. Not only does he suffer at our sorrow, but he feels our doubts. He feels our struggle with sin. He shoulders our blame and our misunderstandings, our scorn and our shame. He took everything upon himself on the cross. He bled and died for us. And in our place, Christ did not deserve the cross, but we do. And yet, he willingly traded places with us. And now he still comes to us and he weeps with us when we sorrow and when we have heartache and pain. And so point three for you guys, if you're a note taker, is simply that. Anchor yourself in truth. Anchor yourself in that truth that Jesus does care He will come and he is trying to address our hearts. Notice too, verse 35, Jesus wept. This is for me. It's okay to cry. (laughs) It's okay to shed tears. I do it all the time. It's okay to break down. It's okay to weep. There's nothing wrong with it or with us. It's totally natural. It's normal. And it's a healthy expression of sorrow and heartache. And it's a way that we undergo healing. It's also a way that we can engage with those who suffer. Matthew chapter five, verse four says, blessed are those who mourn for they shall be comforted. God will meet us in that place 
but it's not so that we can stay there in our sorrow. He meets us so that he can move us out of that sorrow, out of that heartache, and forward with him in joy and relationship. If you look at verses 38 through 30, uh, 45, we see that Jesus shows up and that he raises Lazarus from the dead. It's a notable miracle. It's amazing. And it's, not, it's something that no one can deny. And when he does it in verse 42, he declares a purpose in his prayer. He says that they may believe that you sent me. That's God's goal for us in this life, that we would believe in him. Lazarus, he died for the salvation of others. That other people would come to see God's glory and that Jesus's identity would be revealed. And that is the greater purpose of God. That's the greater purpose for each one of our lives. And so what do we learn here? Verse 40, Jesus said, did I not say that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? So verse, or excuse me, point four this morning is this. Trust that God is working things out for your good and for his glory in your life. Remember what Jesus told his disciples. The sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the son of God may be glorified through it. All we do, all we say, our whole body and being are to be used for God's glory. The methods God has in store for us to bring him glory are different. And his glorification, it's going to play out differently in each one of our lives. But God's glory is a universal purpose for each one of us. We are vessels through which God desires to display his glory. Therefore, our thinking about our experiences needs to change. And that's the lesson that Jesus is teaching these people in our text. It's not about us. It's not about our lives. It's not about our desires or our timetables or our expectations. It's about Christ and his glory. And it's not that the things that we desire don't matter. Jesus does care, (laughs) but our minds and our thinking must change to align with him, to be able to rest in partnership with his glory and in partnership with his purposes. In 2017, Aisha, the girl in the yellow dress, and her father, they both survived. Muhammad Even though he was shot six times, he recovered. And he's still an integral part of our team in the Middle East. But Shaheen, he tragically passed away 10 days after being wounded. If you want to watch a video about it, you can. You can watch it on YouTube. There's a video, uh, if you look up Free Burma Rangers, the girl in the yellow dress and the man who gave his life for her, you can watch it. And we still have a relationship with that family. I've had the pleasure of meeting them again several times. In 2019, Zhao Seng, he did pass away. He didn't make it despite all of our efforts. And you can watch some great memorial videos about his life and his sacrifice also uh, on our website and on YouTube. But he tragically died 
on his daughter's first birthday. Uh, she will be five this year on November 3rd. And so you can pray for her and her mom, Lunu. We may never fully understand why hard things happen. Some things are for Jesus alone and not for us to know. But we can rest knowing that one day, just like Lazarus, we too will sit down and dine with Jesus. I want to read two verses before I close. And it's John chapter 12, verse 2 and 3. It says, there they made him a supper and Martha served, but Lazarus was one of those who sat at the table with him. Then Mary took a pound of very costly oil of spikenard and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the oil. We will sit with him at the table. And until that day comes for us to be seated with him, we can dedicate each day here on earth at his feet. And we can, we can and we should pour out all that we have, all of our love and service to him, just as Mary exemplified for us there in verse three. That is what we are to do. Amen? These are some hard lessons that I've had to learn, and I pray that these things have encouraged you. I, and, I, and I hope that you will be bold in following Jesus. Don't let hard things stop you or hold you back, but run after Jesus and embrace all that he has for you, the easy things, the good things, and the hard. Um, if you're interested in learning more about the Free Burma Rangers, you can watch a feature-length documentary that is excellent. It's worth every minute, and I highly recommend it. You can watch it on several different platforms, Amazon, Vimeo, Right Now Media. And Right Now Media is free for all of you. You can sign up through the church. If you would like to partner with us, our family, you can partner with us three practical ways. One, uh, through prayer. Please pray that God will do his will, his way in our lives, and that we will be in the right place, doing the right thing at the right time. And you can pray that God will help us in our weaknesses, in our desires to uh, succumb to fear or to sit in comfort or our desires just to be proud. Pray against those things. You can pray that we would love each other more and that you can pray for our teams in the field um, and that those that don't get know Jesus yet would get saved. You can practically sign up downstairs on the way out um, of the building. There's a table on the left as you exit uh, with some sign-up sheets. If you want to stay in contact, you can um, do that. And you can pick up a contact card. Thanks, Katie. There's a contact card down there too. And on the card, there's a, a QR code. The third way you can practically just support us is financially. If you use that QR code or that one up there, um, it just links to the Calvary giving site. And so anyway, thank you for allowing me to share with you. And I pray that God would bless your day and your time. So let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you. Thank you for life. And we thank you for all the experiences that you allow us to be a part of. And Lord, we thank you for the family ship that we have in Christ. I thank you for the body of believers here at CCO and all that they are to us. 
Lord, we pray that you would bless them, that you would go before them, that you would shine your face on them. And Lord, that you would stretch them. Lord, that they would love and serve and follow you with everything that they are. And Lord, that you would, you would walk with them through everything and that you would make your presence known, even in the difficult times when we don't understand what's going on. So Lord, we love you and we thank you. And we pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. God bless you all.